right, so we've been talking and preaching on the idea of, of uh, the oneness that we are to have uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ. And kind of interesting, um, I did get a couple of these back um, on these, what's your suggestions? I just, uh, kind of interesting, one that... <clears throat> really kind of confirmed a lot in my heart as, a, as your pastor that what I thought was some of the needs within our church and what we feel within ourselves will parallel a lot of the ideas that God had given me to preach and to teach. Thank you, Teresa, for taking care of that. Um, and it's so important that if you really... Your heart's in tune. I think we have even a song like that. Keep your heart in tune. Maybe it's a one of our kids' songs. But you know, the, the spiritual need is first of all to help somebody else. Is first of all you got to get the what? You got to get the beam out of your own eye. You got to be able to see clearly to help somebody else. You have to have good eyesight. It's not that sometimes people take that verse and we should never judge. It's just the opposite. God wants you to be able. to or make a righteous judgment to help other people. And um, <clears throat> so the idea, one of the things they mentioned, and I, and I don't mind sharing this, and I hope they are, uh, are not alarmed that I'm sharing, because I, I, I'm impressed with their, uh, I think, their ability to see. It says, my spiritual need is to be more time with God, and I definitely need encouragement. And that's in that that seems to be very I mean probably if everyone is to be honest we'd say yeah I think I could spend more time with God um, and then the second it says I believe our church needs more fellowship what what produces more fellowship is is really the more closer that we are with the Lord ourselves it's not you know you think about it you could have a um, you could have a social event, and there's people, there's all kinds of groups out there that have social um, bindings. And, you know, they're bound by their age, or they're bound by their love for a sport, or they're bound by their love for, uh, you know, some kind of, uh, um, you know, something that draws them together um, to, to, to enjoy time together because they have the same interest. And yet the church is unique. Because we're not bound together by age, we're not bound together by sport, we're not even bound together by the same, uh, let's say, hobbies or interests. We're bound together because of Christ. And so the more fellowship that we have with him, or the more abiding that we have with him, really is going to produce what we really do enjoy a lot, and that's having fellowship with one another. And so it is paramount to... We going forward 2015 is that we put the first things first, that we become what God wants us to be, have a walk with him, as it says in John, that we also to walk as he walked. We're to think like he thinks. We're to, we're to be able to see needs around us, and, and uh, whether it's with your children or with your spouse, and say, well, I, I, I know how God wants me to make and feel, fulfill that need. And you just have his mind, you have his heart, you have his spirit. Um, and I, I hope that you understand how important these subjects are. I, I, um, I was using, even this morning in, our, in my Sunday school class, uh, talking about you know, the idea of marriage and and the idea of being a spouse, as the scriptures talks about, or betrothal. And, you know, we often think of uh, that verse where God, who God has joined together, right? And we we're familiar with that. Uh, let no man put asunder. <clears throat> think about it. I said, if you abide in Christ and two different individuals that are growing up and, and they're both living for God and trying to abide in Christ then God does what? God joins them together. They're really betrothed. They're pre-planned by God, by God's design. You know, it's not by not an accident. And, and it all, all came about because they didn't accidentally uh, fall into 
a relationship. They were, by God's design, put together. And it's almost similar to Adam and Eve. You know, they, God pulled a rib from Adam and made Eve, you know, and, and God made that, and God planned that. And he said, be fruitful and multiply. And as the psalmist says in 127, he that buildeth the house labor in vain, unless what? The Lord build it. And all has to do with the subject of abiding in Christ. We, there's this, there's the, uh, a pseudo-Christian living that's not real. We, we go through the motions. We, 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 we kind of pretend that we've got it together. We, we, we tote a Bible around and we talk about God and we have a head knowledge. But there's a whole chasm between what is head knowledge and what it is to mean to abide, to live in presence of God, and to see the hand of God at work, and it changes who you are, it changes your spirit, it changes your thinking, it changes your direction. You do things that, you know, like the Bible talks about in, in 2 Corinthians, I hath not seen nor ear heard, nor it has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. But he has what? Has revealed them unto us by his spirit. Isn't that wonderful? You abide in Christ and he shows you every step you need to take in your life. Every thought you need to have that's of God. How many ever had a thought and you say, wow, that's not of God? How many ever had that thought? And you just are ashamed of, you didn't even say nothing, but it came into your heart and it came into your mind. And I'm excited when that happens, you know, because it, you right away you say, whoa, that don't belong in there. Get, wow, God, forgive me for even having a thought like that. And abiding in Christ just doesn't allow for anything like that. You know, we get, and you know what I mean. You know, we get up in the morning and, you know, we got some passion going on in our heart about something. And, and we have to really do what? We have to give that to God, don't we? We can't just allow ourselves to froth on something, an issue in our life or something else that's going on. We have to turn that over to the Lord and say, Lord, how am I supposed to handle this? So I, I'm, I'm getting, I'm, I'm sharing these with you. Please, just, we, want, how, we all want to live for God. We want to see God work in our lives. But it's not, it's, it, it, it requires us to be honest about ourselves and what, I, what, you, need to, what you need to do. So please, um, these series of messages are, are, have been, I think, under God's design to do that. Um, if you take your Bibles and turn to John, I'm just going to springboard off of uh, something that uh, you, you see in John chapter 15. Uh, and I'm going to go from there. And really, the, it is a, whether we believe it or not, and listen, procrastination is is really a choice. I mean, some of us may be weak in the, in the, in the flesh and maybe have a past of being procrastinators, uh, but, but when it comes to the spiritual things and you're, you're, you're born again, you're a child of God, procrastination isn't one of those choices. And so you'll take your Bible and stand with me if you can, if you're able to. Chapter 15... Verse number one. And the Bible says, Abide in, I am the vine, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me. And I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch 
and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, shall I ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Father, the choice is very clear here. Either we choose to abide or we choose not to. And I pray that, Father, that uh, for your glory's sake, for our own good, and, Father, for the furtherance of the kingdom of God, Father, in our families and in this church and this community, Father, that we would follow the command that you gave us to abide in you. Lord, help us to understand that the choice that we make is just that. It's a choice. We ask your help in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. Again, as I would begin, this is that uh, this sermon is, is really a sermon for the, the saved. It's a message for those that have at some point, repented. They've, they've, they've recognized that their way is not God's way, that their way is a way of selfishness and sin and pride, a way of living for self and for the world, and they've chosen, they've turned and, and gave and said, no, that's not of God. They made, a, they made an outright decision, uh, 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 and one that they've made a testimony to the point that they're willing to say when they were baptized, I am following Christ. I'm a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. I'm not following myself anymore. But there is a choice that we make. And that's what Jesus gave his 12 or 11 men at this point. He gave him, sis, and you're going to make a choice. You're either going to abide in me, and I'm going to bear, you're going to bear much fruit in me, or you will choose to do something of your own. And it's very clear about these. I want you to look at the, even the definition that we have is to be, <clears throat> and this is, comes out of the Strong's Concordance, to stay in a given place, a state, a relation, or expectancy, or to exist, or to be, or to exist, to continue to be, to dwell, to rest, or to stand firm, or stationary. That's what it means to abide. In other words, and if you're going to abide in Christ, it's not one day, it's not two days, it's not a week, it's not a month. It's something that you're going to say, I am going to live with Christ every day. I'm, it's going to be a determination. I'm going to get up in the morning and I'm going to say, listen, Lord, I have a choice this morning. I'm choosing today. I'm going to abide in you. When you get up in the morning and if you don't make that choice today, it says that we must die what? daily if you don't choose to abide in christ you will abide in your flesh you will abide in 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 what you think and what you feel is the right thing i want us to look at some of the scriptures that has to that understanding in in order that if christ is going to live in us is first of all to know that that's why we spend the time that we need in the word of god Knowledge is, it, without a purpose, it just puffs us up. So if we're not abiding in Christ, then as Christians, we're just proud Christians, aren't we? But the knowledge that God should give us is to benefit us in, in the ability to know the mind of God, the heart of God, and the spirit of God. And knowledge that is done right and knowledge that's understood in a proper way doesn't puff us up. Does just the opposite. It humbles us. When we know the mind of God and the heart of God, what you need to be as an individual, it humbles us. Wow, I'm not that. I need Christ. 
you see the picture of what God says, this is what you should be as a mother or as a father. And we see, wow, I so missed the mark. What does it do to us? It humbles us. It brings us to a place of dependency. It brings us to a place that say, oh God, I'm in trouble. God, I know, I see what you are. The knowledge that I've given of you and who you are and your greatness and your goodness and your mercy and, and, and what you did for me on the cross at Calvary, it humbles me. It breaks me. That's why the Bible says the goodness of God does what? It leads us to repentance. It breaks us down. You know, before you can ever die to self, you've got to see yourself as dead. You can't, you can't die to self as long as you think you're alive, as long as you think somehow that your life without Christ is going to benefit you or anybody else. You have got a flawed view of yourself. That's why I, I took the time. I says, you know, when you look at yourself, be honest. Where I, really am I at spiritually? If you will not be honest in the knowledge that you have, it's proud knowledge. It's just proud knowledge. It's just good for nothing. All it does is you look around you and you have this huge beam in your own eye and all you can do is see the fault and criticism around you, not really wanting to be a blessing and not really wanting to, to encourage, not really want to go forward and be a blessing to somebody else. Listen, what you're doing is you're, you're uh, so empowered by your own flesh that Nothing good is going to be accomplished. So not only knowledge is to benefit, but it's to empower. Let me ask you, listen, that the, the ability to take that humility and trust Christ and, and recognize you fall and fail and, and, and you're missing the mark, it empower, that's Listen, that's empowerment. I, th I think it's so wrong when people misunderstand. They think they, they equate meekness and humility with weakness. The more humble and the more meek you are, the more you're empowered by God. The more Christ has the ability to say, I know what you are. I know you the mess you're in. I know uh, 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 how you missed the mark. You're just in agreement with me. And at that point, God can what? Empower. And when Christ works through you, listen, remember, remember what we read out of there. It's, it, the idea is there that it, it says herein in verse 8, is my father what? Glorified. It's not you. It's when Christ works through you. I mean, you think about it. When you make a decision and a judgment and, and you uh, 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 do, you're the hands of God, the the eyes of God, the, 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 the mouth of God. And when you do that, listen, it glorifies, it not only empowers, but listen, the testimony of Christ is an, is an impressive thing. I mean, when they seen John the Baptist, they weren't impressed with his clothes. They weren't impressed with, his, with his, uh, what he was eating. They really weren't impressed with the way, way he lived out in the desert in the wilderness. I can't imagine what that was like. But they were impressed with what? He was a prophet. He was a man of God. He had God's mind. He had God's heart. He had God's spirit. I think he was different from the day he was born, just like the Bible talked about. He was impressed and to sanctify, to save, to liberate. These are all things that are part of that abiding. That's why you bear much fruit. And God purges and you bring forth more fruit. So that's why that definition is to stay. You've got to stay there. Listen, it's not, it's not the flash in the pan Christianity that makes a difference. It's when somebody stays with Christ. They just gonna, they're going to say, listen, I'm not going any other place. It might, might, the idea is to dwell, to rest, to continue to stand firm, stationary, indefinitely. Get up this morning, I'm going to die this morning. Get up on Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'm going to die every one of those mornings. 
say, oh, God, if you don't help me, I'm going to make a mess out of this day. God, if you don't help me, somehow I'm going to be the kind of mother that, that is going to be me and not you. Or I'm going to be the kind of father that's me and not you. I'm going to be the kind of son that's me and not you. I'm going to be the kind of member of Garfield Ridge Baptist Church. It's going to be me and not you. But listen to me this morning. If you've never surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, there's no chance that Christ can abide in you. you. That's why Jesus told Nicodemus he was a ruler of the Jews. And he came to Jesus by night. We know thou art a man come from God. No man do the miracles. Thou. And Jesus said, listen, Nicodemus, I can't help you. You must be what? And so if you're here today and you say, well, I'd, like to, I'd like to abide. Listen, you can't abide until your sins are forgiven. Until you have surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, this message will mean nothing to you. And if you try to die, you can't do it because you've never given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's do some of the things. Number one, what is the place like to abide? You always want to know, how many of you look at pictures on the, the uh, 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 Craigslist or, I don't know, realtors, you know, and, and some, once in a while they'll come up with no picture available. <clears throat> I mean, it's got something there, I'm kind of in, but there's no picture. How many really take an interest in, in one that's got no pictures in it? See, what God does, he says, listen, he says, I'm going to give you a picture of what this place is like. I want you to really get a view of, you know, the greatest view of what it means to abide in Christ is Christ. You look at, you know, to be Christ-like is that's what it means to be Christian, little Christ. Until so you say, well, I need to abide, I need to know what that really, well, first of all, you've got to know what the Lord thinks of abiding. Turn with your Bibles to chapter, Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter number 19. I, we love to tell this story because <clears throat> it's often one we use as a Bible story for kids. Really, it's, it's a perfect story for you and me. You have this little guy, Zacchaeus. You know, we, we know some things about Zacchaeus. I think with anybody, he was, I think he was revered for the fact that he was a tax collector. Nobody wanted to run across his path. He got that kind of respect. Not the kind of respect that didn't maybe, but he had respect. But something got into his mind and into his heart. Zacchaeus chapter, I mean, no, Zacchaeus. Luke chapter number 9. 19, I'm sorry, I don't know, I'll get it right. Verse number one, and Jesus entered in and passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was chief among the publicans, and he was rich. The Bible says in verse three, he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press because he was of little stature. Now we know that just means he wasn't a very big guy. But I think that little of stature, I think he not only was little in, the, in his stature, but I think he thought of himself as small too. I think he'd heard some things about Jesus, and the things he heard about Jesus made him to see who he really was. He says, if you present me the way you should, he says, I'll draw all men to myself. I think the knowledge was out there about the, who Jesus was. And the Bible says in verse number 4 that he ran before and climbed up a sycamore tree to see him for he was to pass by that way. And the Bible says when Jesus came to the place and looked up and saw him, he said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down for this, for today I must what? Abide at thy house. The fact that not only you think about it, the moment that we get serious about the Lord Jesus Christ, and I believe this was salvation for Zacchaeus, the day that you really get serious about the Lord Jesus Christ, that's the day the Lord gets serious about you. He came and says, I what? I'd like to abide at thy house. He says, I'm what? Must. I must 
abide at thy house. I like that. He's determined to abide at our house. He's determined. Listen, if you say, listen, I'm going to get up and I'm going to be determined that Jesus is going to be uh, the, uh, the Lord of my life. I'm determined that I'm going to abide with him today. I'm going to seek him for the right mind, the right heart, the right spirit. Listen, he says, I must abide at thy house. God's mind's that way. If the Lord Jesus says, I must abide at thy house, then it ought to be, I must abide with him. If he's determined to abide in my house, and we'll see this later on in some other scriptures, then we're going to understand that that should be my mind and my heart and my determination. It's not going to be a procrastinator's uh, uh, decision. It's going to be, says, it's going to be one that vows verbally and openly and prayerfully. You may want to just put on your mirror when you get home. I don't care how you put it on your mirror. Going to ask across the front of your mirror, did you abide in Christ this morning? Did you start off dying this morning? So when you look in the mirror and you see those words and you say, listen, there's no room for anybody that's not going to be, have a, a determination by faith that I'm going to abide with my Lord and with my Savior, Christ. Secondly, what's this place like? It's one, it's a must for the Lord Jesus Christ. But in turn, chapter number 24 of the same book, you'll see a second thing. How should we feel about it? If that's the way the Lord feels about it, how should we feel about it? In chapter number 24, you look almost to the end of the chapter. Chapter 24, he says in verse 25, Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and entered into his glory? This is chapter 24, verse 26. And verse 27, At the beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all the scriptures concerning the things Concerning himself, and they drew nigh unto the village, whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further, but they constrained him, saying, A what? Verse 29. Abide with us. They constrained him. He acted like he was going to go on and say, Well, I, okay, I'm, I got to where we're going. They said, No, stay with me. Stay with us. When we understand that he wants to stay with us and he must stay with us, then we look at this and our heart and our mind says, then I too will constrain him. Lord, please. You get up in the morning, that ought to be on that mirror. If it says, I did, I abide with Christ, it ought to be, I must, I will fail. I'll, it'll be a mess. I, I will not sense God's presence or his power. I will not see his benefit. I will not have the sanctification that I need. What did he do? He says he opened what? He opened their eyes, didn't he? See, when, Jesus, when you take that vow and you say, listen, I'm going to get up and I'm going to abide with Christ today. I'm going to die to yourself. <clears throat> then what happens? He expounds unto them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. In verse 29, But they constrained us, abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. I like that. How many of you think that not only do we Enjoy the presence of God. How many think the Lord enjoys our presence? I know he does. He's not ashamed to call us what? 
brethren. He made us for fellowship with him. We're made in his image. We have the ability to live, and I believe with all of my heart that God enjoys our, our presence. You know, when you have a friend and you're close and they come and see you, and, uh, and it, you just got a lot in common, you just enjoy being together. How many, how many sense that? It sends that. See, we, we misunderstand this. It's not, just, it's not just for our benefit. Listen, God enjoys you being in his presence. He enjoys the fellowship that he has with you. You are his creation. He created you. He made you. What a glorious thought. So we should feel the same way he feels about it. I must, I must, I must, I must abide with him to the degree I'm going to constrain him. Say, don't go. Don't go. We have a song, I think. Isn't it, what, What's the song we sing in, in the garden? I come to the garden alone. And he bids me go, Right? Wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be great if, if Garfield Ridge Baptist Church and the, the members here got to the place that they found themselves constantly wanting to pray? They constantly wanting to be in the presence of God and his word. Constantly trying to memorize and go forward with the Lord Jesus. I believe it would make a difference in everything that we do. I think we'd see it in our face. Our kids wouldn't, rec wouldn't recognize. Maybe the friends wouldn't even know us like we'd, they do now. Let's turn to another one, John chapter number 8. What is this place like? It's a place that, we <clears throat> that Jesus says he must be. It's a place that we feel he must be. John chapter number 8. These are all little examples the scripture gives us. Look down with me in verse number 30. And as he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. What's that word that we're picking out there? If you what? If you continue. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall, shall make you what? Free. Verse 33, And they answered, And we be Abraham's seed, we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest then we shall be made free? And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin... Is, is the servant of sin, but the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son. What? You know, we read that in John where he says, you know, uh, if you abide in me, if you don't abide in me, he says, I'm going to just pick you up and cast you into a pile and you're going to wither. I'm going to go into what that means. But listen, I'll tell you this. You are become a child. I'm, this isn't a this isn't a lesson on on the security of the believer. But some people haven't got that yet. Some people say, "Well, I got to maintain this relationship." Listen, if you could have maintained that relationship, then Jesus wouldn't have had to die on the cross for your raunchy soul. But He made the relationship, and He made you a son, and He maintains that. And he's never going to leave you. He, he says, I've got you in my hand. Nobody can pluck you out. And listen, when you think about it, he says, it's a special dynamic of our relationship. We have become a son. Isn't that good? You're a son or a daughter of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a dynamic. That's, a, that's like being a parent. To you. He's, your, he's your father. And he says, I'm not leaving you nor forsaking you. I'm going to stay with you in this thing. 
It's something to keep in mind. How many of you feel like you fail God on a continuous basis? <laughs> well, that's about 99% of us. If we're honest about ourselves, we miss the mark every day in some way, shape, or form. But I take, I take comfort in knowing that I'm his son. And when I know he's his son, he's, not, he's my dad, and, and I'm just going to go to him and, and, and all humility and say, Lord, I failed you, and I for, please forgive me. And what's a daddy going to do? He's going to forgive you. He's going to welcome you back and say, I, I just hoped you'd catch up with, your, with your, your frailty. I just hoped you'd figure this out. I love you. I had died for you. I have a special purpose for you. There's a serious requirement, chapter 12, if you will, of the same book, John. mentioned this but I think we have to repeat it Jesus answered in verse 23 the hour has come the son of man should be glorified verily verily I say unto you except a corn of wheat fall to the ground and die it abideth what alone but if it die it bringeth forth what much fruit oh how important that is these are the place that you say, what is it like to abide? You listen, you've got to know how the Lord thinks of it. You've got to know how you should feel about it. You've got to understand your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know the seriousness. The I must die today. I cannot allow my flesh, my feelings, my emotions, my, my carnal passions to take control. I say, I'm going to die today. You might even have to die twice today. Maybe three times, maybe a dozen times. If you dying once in the morning doesn't do it, then die a dozen times. Whatever it is, you can say, I'm not going to let my... How many of you know your flesh takes over sometimes? You feel it. You know, you just feel it creeping up on you. And you feel it. How many feel that kind of that ugliness starting to kind of ooze out of your pores? And, and you feel the emotion coming up in you. And you feel like there's going to be something come out of your mouth. It's not of God some kind of action or some kind of bitterness or some kind of ugliness that's going to come out and you say, oh, God, help me to die. Right? We just jump up and down. Oh, God, I need to die. I need to die. Unless I die, I abide alone. I don't want you to leave me. I don't want you to forsake me. I don't want you to give up on me. I want to feel your presence, your power. I want to see them. I want to whatever I do to impress and bring you glory, as it says in John. The seriousness of it. Let's take one more. 12. In verse 44, Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on me and believeth not, he that believeth on me believeth not on me, but him that sent me. And he that seeth me seeth. Him that sent me. I am come a light into the world. Whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. I am come a light. If Christ is abiding in you, you are going to be not a reflection of the light. Listen to me. Christ is going to be working through you. You're going to be a part of the light. Are you listening to that? You're not reflecting. It's not just somehow bouncing off of, of you. And, and it is Christ in you. A hope of glory. Christ manifesting himself through your flesh. Because you died. And you say, I know he's with me. I just need to die to myself. Some of us don't have that faith that know that he's with us. We don't realize that we could at one given moment and we feel like I'm, I'm in trouble. I feel like I'm so carnal. I feel like I'm so uh, like the devil himself. We At that moment we could say, listen, I know he abides with me. I know he never leaves me nor forsakes me. And I'm just going to die to myself. So Christ can do what? 
work through me. Boy, when that happens, and I, I, I wish it happened more than I speak of even for myself, but boy, when it happens and I just say, you know, quit, Kurt. Just quit it. And I say, be, and, and God, and, and, I, and I say, God, just take over. Manifest yourself in me. Do what you want to do in me. Use my mouth. Use my arms. Use my eyes. Use my expression. But use me. How many think God would hear that prayer? Oh, man, he just wants to take over. He knows what trouble you're in. The flesh is always battling it. So how important is this place? We know what the place is like, but how important is it? I'm going to give you a couple verses. We've seen them already in John, but I want to repeat them. I'm not going to spend much time. How important is this place? Chapter 15, if you will. In verse 4, he says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. That's just how important it is. If you're not allowing Christ to manifest himself, he says in verse 4, as a branch cannot bear fruit, what? Now, does that mean Jesus is not available? Is he available? He's always available. But you're trying to do it without him. And he says here that he says he cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye what? You say, I cannot do it. So, so I want you to exercise this. You know, we, we talk about exercise. We get on the elliptical. We get on a treadmill. We go take a walk in the park or down the street. You, I want you to exercise this week. Well, I know Christ is with me. And I know I'm not feeling like I'm going to exercise the faith to do what he wants. And so you say, you stop what you're doing. And you just take a thing, the second prayer and you say, now listen, Jesus. I've got an issue going on here with my flesh trying to take over and rule and reign. Even though I died this morning, I need, a, I need a second death. And I say, I want you to take over right now. Can he? Will he? Chapter 15, if you will. So it's not only the place of fruit bearing. But in verse 5. He says, I am the vine, and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him the same bringeth forth much fruit. How important is this place? You can't do it by yourself. And verse 5, he says as much. <clears throat> he says, the same bringeth forth much. Now, I, I look at it and I say, to abide or not to abide? What, what's going to happen if I don't abide? What, what, do I, what do I have? Nothing. I'm just manifesting my flesh. So how serious is it? I want to take a little time. And please, when you look in chapter 15, he says they're cast forth as a branch. <clears throat> when you think about that in verse 6, he says, they're cast forth as a branch and is what? Withered. Now I want you to think about that. God says, okay, you don't, you, you, you want to live in the flesh, you, you, you can't get victory over the flesh. He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to help you with this. How many think God will help you if you're struggling with this? How many God say, listen, I'm going to help you with this. And he says, I'm going to set you over here by yourself. I'm going to let you just dry out and wither up. You know there's Christians that dry up and wither up. You know they dry up and wither up so they don't read their Bible no more. They have a little heart for ministry. They have a little heart to love one another the way they should. All they feel is so miserable inside and so cantankerous inside and so caustic inside. They're withering up. I hope that's not you, but maybe it is. Maybe it's me. You say, why? Did you? Well, what? I thought he's never leaving me or saying. He's leaving me over here to wither. There's a purpose in that. See, sometimes we misunderstand. Turn your Bibles to Lamentations once. Lamentations. 
Lamentations was written by who? Who was the weeping prophet? Jeremiah. Was Jeremiah a good prophet? Faithful man of God? You mean Jeremiah had times that he was in uh, lamenting and times that he was crying and weeping? What was he weeping and crying about? Oh yeah, we know that he was weeping and crying over the fact the nation of Israel was gone astray and wasn't coming back. But listen, Jeremiah not only weeped for the nation of Israel, he weeped for himself. As strong and as good a prophet as he was, he had to do what? He must abide in Christ. When you look at Jeremiah chapter number 3, he says, I want to, I want to take us through this. I'm going to, the whole chapter is good, but I want, I'm going to read down and we're going to get the most of this. He First of all, he says, I am a man that has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He says, I've endured the wrath of God personally. He hath led me and brought me into darkness, but not into light. Surely against me he has turned. He turneth his hand against me all the day. How many think he was, God pulled Jeremiah aside. Listen, Jeremiah, I can't really use you. I'm going to let you wither for a little while. I'm going to, he says, he's brought me, uh, uh, led me into, brought me into darkness, but not into light. He's against me. He's turned. He turneth his hand against me all the day. I want you to note here how serious it is, the failure to abide. First of all, you're cast forth as a branch. Now, before we go any farther, I've got to re-emphasize this idea. Some of you are so weak in the scriptures, you think somehow that, 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 that it's you that maintain the relationship. Jesus will never, ever leave you. You understand that? Even in your worst moment, he's still right there with you. Jeremiah was feeling as low as the low could get, and yet who was with him? Christ was. Take your Bible. Keep your finger in Lamentations, but I've got to give you this because I want you to see it. Second, Second Timothy chapter number 2. Second Timothy chapter number 2. Look in verse 11. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 11. It is a what? Faithful saying. What is a faithful saying? (laughs) You can repeat it over and over again because it's it's true. Just keep repeating it. You say, I need to keep reminding myself. That's why uh, Brother O is saying, listen, we memorize, we meditate, we understand these scriptures, and we get it to where we really understand it. He says it's a faithful saying. If we be dead with him, we shall what? We'll live with him. What was Jeremiah's problem? He wasn't completely dead, was he? Did God need to use Jeremiah? Oh, man. The whole nation of Israel was going down the tubes. He said, I got to have, have one crying in the wilderness. And I need you, Jeremiah, to be dead. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he'll also deny us. If we believe not, yet he what? What does it say there? He what? He abideth faithfully. We deny him. We say, I'm not going to live for God today. I'm not going to die today. And God still remains, doesn't he? Isn't that good? I ain't leaving. You do whatever you want, but I'm staying. But listen, if God stays and you're not where you need to be and he sets you over to wither, you're going to know it. You're going to say, I don't like this place. He says, of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive, not about words to no profit, but the subverting of the hearers. Now let's go back to Lamentations. What is it? The seriousness of the failure to abide. You're cast forth as a branch, and at that withering place, that place of withering in Lamentation chapter 1, first of all, it's a place of wrath. You think God ever gets angry with his children? You ever get a little angry with yours? Huh? Get a little beat red in the face? Some dumb thing they said or did and how they treated and they clobbered another one with a toy? So you experience the rod of his wrath. 
It's a place of darkness, no spiritual life. In verse number 2, it's a place of doubt and fear and uncertainty, no happiness nor contentment, verses 3 through 6. He says, he has set me in the dark places as they that be dead of old. What is he talking about? He's talking about people lost. People that never knew the Lord. He says, I'm, I'm in the same place that people are, spiritually, that people are lost are in. But listen, it gets better. A place of playing no spiritual games. When you're in that place where you're withering, there's no spiritual. That's why it's, that's why it's so important to be radically honest. Look what it says as we read down through verses 7 through 17. He hath hedged me about that I cannot get out. He hath made my chains heavy. And when I cry and shout, he shutteth out my prayer. He hath enclosed my ways in huge stone. He hath made my paths crooked. He was unto me as a, bearing, as a bear lying in wait, as a lion in a secret place. He hath turned aside my ways and pulled me in pieces. He hath made me desolate. He hath bent his bow and he set his mark of... For an arrow? Wow. Who is this? And who's he doing it to? God is doing it to Jeremiah. The the prophet that he was going to use, he said, I got to get you ready because Jeremiah says you're going to produce some fruit. Did Jeremiah go through some stuff? How did he go through some stuff? But he had God's mind and he had God's heart and he had God's spirit. But it wasn't until he died to himself. So it's a place of no spiritual games. He hath filled me with bitterness. He hath made me drunk with the wormwood. He hath also broken my teeth and gravel stones. He hath covered me with ashes. And thou hast removed my soul far off from peace. I forgot prosperity. Woo! How many of you want to go there? How many you say, man, I, I think abide, not abiding, is, is that really an option? Or should we say and say, Lord, I don't want to go there. Or maybe when we do go there, we say, I ain't going to stay here. I think Jeremiah got his taste, his fulfill of that not abiding with Christ. And in verse number 18, And I said, My strength and my hope is perished from the Lord, remembering my affliction and my misery in the wormwood and gall. A wormwood and gall is like a bitter medicine. It's going to help you, but it don't taste very good. I'm glad they've changed the way medicine used to be. I seemed like as a kid, I remember some of that medicine being so nasty. I'd rather be sick. Remember, I, I remember taking this stuff called keopectate. I don't know whether it's still got that stuff around, but I'd never buy it off the shelf. Mom says, you got to take that. No, I don't, Mom. I, I took one bite of that. almost threw up. But listen, God is going to give us some bitter medicine. Is the medicine going to hurt us or help us? It's going to help you. He's going to say, I'm going to learn to die. But look at what happened. My soul has them still in remembrance and is what? Verse number 20. And it's what? It's humble. I'm humbled by this withered state that God has put me in. If you're, you read what he says, he says, I was removed from my, verse 17, my soul far off from peace. I forgot prosperity and my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord, remembering my affliction and my misery and wormwood and gall. I, I, he says, I'm, I'm, I'm in this condition spiritually because I would have refused to abide where I was supposed to abide. Christ is with me. Never leave nor forsake me. But it gets better. And I want to get there. In verse 21, here it gets better. Here's the, here's the epic of the, all this pain he's gone through. And in verse 21, he gets to where he sees himself as Christ seen him. This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. It is the Lord's mercy that we're not consumed. I, the only reason I haven't gone away, it's because of his mercy. 
because his compassions fail not. They're new every morning, and great is his faithfulness. And doesn't he, you hear the spirit being revived there? You see, he's just, he said, he, he was humbled. He said, I'm here because I, I decided I, I, I wouldn't abide, and I, I, it's a miserable place to be, and I don't want to be there. And in verse number 22, or verse 24, And the Lord is my portion, saith, the, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him. To the soul that seeketh him, he is good for that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. God working in us. It is good that a man should bear his yoke in his youth. I'm, I'm hoping. I really am. I, I'm so heavily invested with some young people. I pray to God. It's not in vain. I, I'm so burdened. Don't let the devil win. Don't let the devil win. Bear the yoke in his youth. Figure this out when you're young, people. Get it right now. Don't play Christian games. Abide in Christ. Boy, wouldn't it be nice if you got this when you're, when you're 10 years old? Would have been good if you got that when you were young and you said, "Wow, this is the this is the the thing that I need that that I wouldn't." Some of us are living a miserable life because we didn't get this when we were young. If I'd have just abide, God would have led me to do the right thing, and I would have got God's will would accomplish. In verse twenty-eight, He sitteth alone and keepeth silence because He hath borne it upon Him. He putteth his mouth in the dust, if so be there may be hope. Isn't that a loving Heavenly Father? Isn't that a loving Dad that just says, You're my son, you belong to me, and I'm not leaving you? This is a faithful saying. I'm, I'm about done, folks. But I believe... I keep, and I, I, I thought this morning, I don't know, maybe the Lord put it in my heart. I thought, this morning, I was thinking as I was getting ready to, I said, I said in my heart, I said, Lord, I've already taught on the biting. I've already said something. I'm saying, you know, Lord, they're going to get tired of hearing about this message on what we need to do. But listen, listen, this is the center of what it means to be a Christian. It's, I don't know how to say it, it's, it's what flows through you to be that daddy and mommy you need to be. It's what flows through you, your, the presence of God in your life. That humble spirit. Listen, you see someone abiding with Christ. They are so, they are so loving and they're so humble. They, they so much are thinking about you, praying for you, concerned about you. I mean, you say, Pastor, that's, that's what I like to have a good dose of. You, you know, Jesus is so on your side, folks. He's so pointing the way in the direction that you need to go. He putteth his mouth in the dust, if so be there may be hope. He giveth his cheek to him that smiteth him. He is so filled with the full of reproach. Well, the Lord will not cast off forever. Verse 32, as we close, but though he caused grief, though he caused grief, though you've been set aside and you withered, though he caused grief, yet will he what? Have compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. I just, I'm amazed. <clears throat> I don't know what else to say. I guess I'm amazed how persistent our Lord is. I just am amazed. How many, of you, I, how many of you would have given up on yourself a long time ago? <laughs> it's just sad. Really, Lord, what's the point? I've just lived so much of my life that's been off 
wrong, and you say, why don't you just, and God doesn't give up. He just has this mentality, this mind, you belong to me. As long as you belong to me, as long as you're willing to humble yourself, we can still work things out. We'll go forward. And I'm excited about that. <clears throat> I'm excited as your pastor. I'm excited as a father. I'm excited as a husband. Because I know he isn't done. He's not done. Yeah, we made a mess. Yeah, we've made some mistakes. Yeah, we failed. Yes? And he says, I'm not giving up. Let's stand as we close. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the great truths of your word. And I thank you, Lord, for your everlasting presence 